He gets us. Alistair Begg, chaos, wokeness. That's what it feels like right now. Justin and I want to look at the law and the gospel and the call to be compassionate towards sinners in light of the chaos that's happening on the internet and in YouTube. We really want to encourage you to listen to the entire podcast because we want to not only address some of the issues, but then talk about what is the call of the believer towards sinners. Please stay tuned. If you're new to Theocast, you may not have heard of this word. It's called pietism. Have you ever felt like the Christian life is a heavy burden versus rest and joy? That you wake up worrying about how well you're going to perform instead of thinking about what Christ has done for you? It's dread versus joy, really. That's pietism. Pietism causes Christians to look in on themselves and find their hope, not in what Christ has done, but what they're doing. And we have a little book for you. It's free. We want you to download it. And we're going to explain the difference between pietism and what we call confessionalism. Reformed theology, really. How it is that we walk by faith, seeing the joy of Christ. And when Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest, what does that look like? You can download it at our website. Just go to theocast.org. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. That's literally what we're hoping to do today. Conversations about the Christian life in the world and Super Bowl ads from a Reformed, on, covenantal, man. pastoral perspective. Confessional, too. Yeah, we'll do it. Uh, your hosts today are Justin Purdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. And I'm John Moffat. I'm the pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, just south of Nashville. No, Justin and I are not in the same city, and we have been fighting technology, and may God's mercy be upon us. I think we may have found a way to continue to record. Thank the Lord for that. <laughs> Justin, my dear friend, we want to uh, pull the clutter off the gospel today, mm -hmm. right? And let's reclaim the purpose of the kingdom, because it Word. seems like we've lost the purpose of the kingdom in light of fighting wokeness and fighting liberalism. Like we're seen to be fighting everything, but the thing we're supposed to be fighting. True. And uh, anyways, before we jump into, and I throw it over to Justin, Justin, we have an app and we that do. app technically is a community and it is growing. There's over a thousand people in there and it's awesome. It's a, it's a wonderful community. More and more people are sharing thoughts and ideas and uh, helping each other. There were they're praying for each other. I know there was somebody who posted uh, a prayer request for surgery. Anyways, it's just a sweet community. You would come over and check it out at theocast.org. There's a, all the information is there. Word. Justin, tell the people about something special coming up. This is uh, in about two months, but tell them about it. Two months from right now. I'm not exactly sure when this will release, but April the 19th well, and hopefully 20th. Next week. Yeah, hopefully. April yeah. the 19th and 20th in the year of our Lord, 2024. We, Covenant Baptist Church here in Asheville, are hosting a small conference where we're having our friend Chad Bird come in to speak. He's going to be talking effectively about discipleship and how the Lord is with us in that. A lot of times I think we think of discipleship as something we do for God or unto God, uh, but God is with us, and that's mm. a sweet reality. And so Chad writes and speaks beautifully on this topic, so he's going to be he giving Several talks. We're going to do, be doing some panel discussions with our pastors and Chad. Again, that's Friday, April 19, and Saturday, April 20, here in Asheville. We are, uh, yeah, I don't even know what else to say other than the registration's open. 
yeah, I, I could say more. Hopefully, but we're I'll be get there right to it. Yeah. So if if you haven't, well, registered, actually, what I wanted to say, what I wanted to say go is, ahead. what I appreciate about it, Chad, is that he gets us. He gets us oh at the Oh my Ocas. gosh, yes, he does. He gets us. Like that, we haven't done a transition oh, in a long that time. That was professional. That was that was great. A top shelf pivot. <laughs> so uh, I trust people. JP. I trust people can figure out how to register for a conference. If you go to covbap.org, uh, you will you'll easily be able. And we'll put the link register. in the show notes as well. Great. Yeah, he gets us. Chad gets us at Theocast, mm. and as many people are familiar with the campaign, he gets us the ad campaign, and we are shamelessly using this because everybody's talking about it. We sit here, I don't know what, three days removed from the Super Bowl and the ad ran during the Super Bowl. And as is so common, everybody, I don't even mean to say- Can I make one comment about the Super Bowl? Please. Can I just make, it was so good to see Taylor Swift win. Man. (laughs) And I'm a football, I'm a football geek. I'm sorry. And and no, I'm I'm in no way bothered by what you said. And I'm just going to just sort of, skirt around this before I get into the nuts and bolts of how to build a roster in order to win a championship. We don't need to do that. Here we go. We're going to stay laser focused on I, the, the, my, the my one comment was I was surprised how often I had to watch her. So oh, gosh. I, I didn't get to watch football. Yeah. Anyway. So Anyways, most people right, are familiar. Yeah. The, the, he gets us ad campaign has been running for a while now. Jesus gets us right. I mean, there was, you've seen several, mm. you know, Jesus was a refugee. Jesus's family hated him too. All of these things. And there was an ad that ran during the Super Bowl of different individuals washing the feet of other people. It was highly controversial. And as is normally the case, and this doesn't, this I don't mean this to sound condescending, but uh, conservative and Christian and conservative Christian social media mm-hmm. is a firestorm over this whole thing. Uh, very similar to how just in recent weeks, this may come up today too, in recent weeks, how Alistair Begg made comments regarding counsel he had given someone about attending a transgender or same-sex wedding. I can't remember one of the two. And again, conservative Christian Twitter was ablaze. Uh, Social media was ablaze. And um, this is just normal. This is what happens in our day. And that's lamentable. So we are leveraging these things. But what I want to say first is this is not so much a, a reactionary podcast for John and for myself. We intend this to be evergreen, meaning we hope that this mm-hmm. lasts far longer than these respective controversies do because we'll be on right. something new in a month. Let's just be honest. Um, these will be way in the rearview <laughs> mirror because there will be something else people are worked up about. Really, what we want to have a conversation about today so true. Is, is mercy, compassion, mm. and how this is not an either or proposition. Like it's not, we either hold to biblical understandings of the law and the gospel or we're compassionate. It's not we're orthodox in our doctrine or we're merciful. Like these things Mm -hmm. are not mutually exclusive. And so we want to hold the line of you can be clear on the law and the gospel and alongside that ought to be merciful and compassionate towards sinners in a fallen world. And we're going to discuss that. How do we, as law gospel confessional Christians, love sinners well in a fallen world to the praise of Mm -hmm. God's glorious grace? And how can we appropriately think about being salt and light in this world, which is what we are clearly Mm -hmm. called to be? So that's That's the real 
thrust and ethos of this conversation. It's not so much. The occasion might be the Super Bowl ad campaign. The occasion might be Alistair Begg and his comments. But really, the conversation is about mercy and compassion towards our fellow man, being salt and light in Mm. this world, which we are clearly called to be by our Savior. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate. um, I want to go on record and just saying how much I appreciate Pastor Alistair Begg and just what he's done to oh, my own heart and, and thousands of others. You know, I really appreciated Gavin Ortland's video on that. I just felt like he really handled it well in that, <clears throat> you know, we're, we got to stop shooting at our own when no we kidding. disagree with each other. No kidding. You know, I'm just exhausted by it. Um, there, there comes a moment where I think loving a criticism is even fine, but even just loving exhorting exhortation towards things can go a whole lot farther than just counseling people so quickly. Um, I think it's fascinating when Jesus says the world will know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And that is so absent in modern Christianity. And it's just a heartbreaking. And I think a lot of it's because we don't emphasize the love of God and understand the nature of God's love. And I think this ad is trying to get at that. I, I, I have some exhortations, some helpful exhortations for the ad. Um, and same thing for my brother, Alistair. Like, I don't agree with everything he has to say in his position, but he is a good Orthodox man who loves Christ and he's done well. And these are areas we can disagree on. This, this is the areas of Christian freedom that is totally fine. And this is not a podcast about that today, no. but I, I just want to go on and say like, that's what we're just are trying to do is that, listen, we are not compromising. We are not woke and we are not, it's not okay. God doesn't leave people in their sin. Okay. So of course if that's what the ad is promoting, then we agree. God does not leave us in our sin, nor does he promote it, and nor is he okay with it. Sure. But to say that God gets us, it's true. Yeah. Uh, he is a sympathetic high priest. Who's like us in He knows respect, our frailty. Yet without sin. That's right. Yeah. So it's it's and not he, wrong to say And he God understands. knows, I mean, Psalm 103, 14, he knows our frame. He remembers that's that right. we're dust, right? So he does very much get us. I think if I can jump in, I, we may talk more mm-hmm. about Alistair and Christian liberty and some of that later. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of the gross, like, clear categorical confusions, like collapsing and conflating of categories thing that's happening in this whole conversation is yeah. that I think in the minds of many people to have compassion necessarily means like to have compassion on someone who is living an overtly sinful lifestyle means that we are necessarily condoning their behavior. And right. like that, I, I, my head could explode because those two things mm-hmm. need not be confused. To have compassion and mercy towards a sinner who is living a very overtly sinful life is not the same thing as condoning their sin or condoning their behavior. And if we don't right. have the gear in our gearbox where we can make that distinction, we're going to have a hard time loving people in this world who don't agree with us on everything or who are or just loving people who aren't believers and aren't confessing the same faith that we do. And right. so I do think that this is a worthwhile conversation to have. Like, like you said, John, amen. I, let's just be really clear. Let's, let's chalk the field and do all the things before we get going too far into this. You and I understand that God's law holds all men accountable and that the law right. of God is the per, it's a revelation of his own character. It is his standard of holiness and righteousness, and none of us can meet it because we're all corrupt and we're fallen. And all the law does for any of us is shut our mouth 
and we were undone. And so Jesus and all who remain under the law will, will receive his wrath. Receive the righteous judgment of God because God is good. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Eternal wrath. That's right. Yes. Yep. And we would then therefore say the most significant thing that we could ever say about Jesus is that God the Son took on flesh to become a human, to die to fulfill the law's curse in our place, and to live a law-keeping life perfectly so that he could be our righteousness. And then he conquered death and conquered the evil one through his triumphant resurrection, and he has set God's people free, and all who trust in him will live with him in a redeemed earth and a redeemed heaven forever. Amen. Like, he saves us. He redeems us. Amen. That is by far the most significant thing we could ever say about him. And it does not mean, having said that, it does not mean that we then can't hold out the love, compassion, mercy, and grace of Christ at the same time. And we can love people, and we can be kind, and we can be winsome, we can be charitable. To use Alistair Begg's phrase, I 100% agree with him, we can go down on the side of mercy and compassion. And... Mm -hmm. Right. If we're going to, I agree. I mean, if I'm going to fall off one side or the other, I'm going to fall off in that direction while maintaining an orthodox understanding of the law and the gospel and of salvation and of God's holiness and everything else. We, and we can do that. You know, I think we even suffer to the moment of death because even, you know, the New Testament writers say counted a privilege, a joy that you were counted worthy to suffer for his sake. Why would you suffer? Because you are suffering at the hands of men who are killing you because you're unwilling to comp- not listen right. unwilling to compromise right. the truth but the reason why we die and don't fight back is because we are literally showing them the kind of love that Christ showed us exactly right we lay down our life right. because our Savior laid his life down for us. This is the definition of love according to Jesus, right? No greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friend. Right. So I Justin, what I what I think is interesting for me is that uh when we think about our life, there is something that just overwhelms them when I think about Hebrew, I'm sorry, uh, Romans 510. Uh, just to read it as a reminder for all of us, for if while we were enemies. Come on with it. Okay. In the moment of the, the worst position you could be against the creator of the world. I don't know if you could get in it. Like there's, there's like, uh, he doesn't know you. He doesn't care about you. He knows who you are and you're his enemy. I mean, I don't, can you get any worse? You cannot get any worse than that. He's not, he's not, he's not, you're, you, didn't, you didn't just break his law. It's like, all right, you're a criminal. You went from criminal to enemy. It's, it's, an un, it's an unbelievable title. He says, for if while you were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then much more shall be reconciled by his life. Yep. That, that should resonate with us every time. If we are, as Paul says uh, in Corinthians, that we are reconciled, we are ambassadors for God. Yep. We're reconciling people to him. And we do so by proclaiming the love of God for sinners, right? Because it's the yes. love of God that saves them. Mm-hmm. It's that's what saves them, not his wrath that saves them. We are saved from his wrath by his love. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. No, a- amen. There's a lot popcorn around in my brain. We are to be an aroma of Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, what would that look like? Now, well, you and I, you know, St. Francis, uh, Francis of Assisi, it's attributed to him. I, I'm loath to think that he ever said Whether it. Whether he you said know, it or not, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> Right, but you know, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. You and I both agree that that's nonsense, that the gospel is inherently a message. 
Amen. But I appreciate the essence of what he's getting at. Right. But that's where I'm going. The gospel has yeah. to be preached. Christ has to be heralded. Christ for sinners, right? We we preach that message. And it is it is supernatural. It is God's power unto salvation. And the Lord uses that message of Christ to bring people to faith in his son. And he brings people from death to life and from darkness to light. Amen. And, and we are going to mm-hmm. pound the desk and preach that till the day that the Lord returns or calls us home. And to be the aroma of Christ means that we that message is on our lips, but it also means that we live lives of love and compassion and mercy and warmth mm-hmm. towards our neighbor in such a way that people might look at us and not only would it win a hearing for the gospel, but it would glorify and honor the Lord. Now, are we called to live lives of holiness, not engaging in debauchery? Absolutely. We should live lives of holiness and obedience and reverence toward the Lord, and that should be apparent. But in our holiness and obedience and reverence toward God, we should be full of tenderness and gentleness and compassion toward our neighbor who are also made in God's image, who are in bondage to the evil one, and who are enslaved to their passions and cravings. If we come in like from the top turnbuckle, bludgeoning people with law all the time, like if that's the only tool we have is... Man, you know, holiness, reverence, obedience, and law. And people need to know how lost they are, and people need to know how wrong they are. And I am going to argue arrogantly with condescension half the time in the public square to demonstrate how foolish all this is. If that's the only tool we've got, man, I, I don't know that that's the, the aroma of Christ. And I, I, I don't think that's an accurate representation of our Savior, in terms of how he interacted with people who had no righteousness and who were engaged in very debaucherous lifestyles, right? Yeah. The attitude of the believer, Justin, I think this is part of your eschatology and your view of the law gospel distinction, you know, our view. It depends on how you end up responding. But if you realize that your life is one to be spent, like it's, um, we're here to be, to be as, what does Paul say? Poured out as a drink offering for the Lord. Mm-hmm. So we're consumable. And how are, do we be consumed? We're be consumed as one who loves sinners. Like that's our mm-hmm. job. Our job is to love the world, not love the world, but <laughs> love the people in the world. And I think it's interesting how the New Testament writers emphasize the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us and the work of the Holy Spirit. Like we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? We are ambassadors. We, um, uh, yeah. Let the world see your good deeds and yes. glorify the Father. Peter be ready to give an answer. That's right. Be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within you. Yeah. Uh, you know, we implore you to be reconciled to the Lord. I, I do think it's interesting. I made this comment to you before. I, I think it's interesting how God uses two uh, pictures when thinking about the advancement of the gospel around the world. He uses agriculture. Mm-hmm. The tilling of the land, mm-hmm. planting of the seed and watering. Paul mm-hmm. uses that as well. Some plant, some water. God gives the increase. Justin, you, you don't do that quickly. You don't till the land quickly. You don't plant a seed and see the fruit of it immediately. Right. The idea of it is the cultivation of it, right? And I don't want to you know over overplay the illustration, but even the concept of new birth, that there's there there's an idea where God is using different people. And now for sure, Paul means it this way. That God is using different people at different points, but we're all doing the same thing. We're right. loving people. No, right? Some of us, some of us might be preparing the ground for the next person to plant the seed of the gospel. Amen. We don't we don't know where we're at in that in that in that in that line right. of bringing someone to faith. Right. Hey guys, real quick, some of you are listening to this and it's encouraging to you, but you have questions. So where do you go? 
how do you interact with other people who have the same questions and share resources? We have started something called the Theocast Community, and we're excited because not only is it a place for you to connect with other like-minded believers, all of our resources there, past podcasts, education materials, articles, all of it's there, and you can share it and ask questions. You can go check it out. The link is in the description below. All right, so I'm going to give two examples. Hadn't really planned to go here, but in light of what you're saying, hopefully these will be helpful because I agree 100% with what you're saying. And I do understand how some people could listen and be like, well, you know, sometimes there's a sense of urgency, isn't there, brothers? And we would say, well, of course there is. And so not every situation is the same. Let me illustrate. So there there was, this isn't so much our pattern of life now, but for a period of time uh, after church on Sundays, we we would sometimes take a, a group of people to a local establishment uh, it was a brewery, but you know, it was very family friendly, good beer, good mm-hmm. food. And it was a great place for us. Cause you know, we are a mobile church. We don't have our own building. It was a great place for a number of us to go and hang out and be. And that's just a part of the culture here in Asheville, North Carolina. It's beer city, USA. So we're there we're, and we're hanging out. Well, I mean, most of the people who are there are, are pagans. I mean, that like absolutely are, but we are a warm presence. We're kind. Uh, we're, Dare I say it, we're just kind of normal in the way that we interact with people. And over the course of years, John, like let's say over the course of three years, I had, I can't tell you how many conversations about the law and the gospel and what the Christian faith is with Mm. people who worked at that establishment. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bartenders, right? Where they would just be like, so, hey man, you guys are in here. You guys are like, what do you do? And, And I would tell them. You know, kind of like you and I'll say, all right, you're not going to freak out, are you? Right. Uh, I'm a, I'm a pastor of a church really. You know, and you can tell some of them are like, oh, okay, that's one way to live your life, you know, but some of them would respond and be like, really? Like you guys, so you guys are Christians. We'd say, yeah. And they'd be like this one girl, bro. I will never forget it. She was just like, you guys are so kind. Like she was surprised that we were Christians and we were kind. Now, having said that we, she would ask me this particular bartender over the course of a couple of years asked me three or four different times, very pointed questions about what we believe. And we had wonderful opportunities to talk about the law and the gospel and how Christ is our righteousness. And whether she ever comes to faith or not, who knows, but some seeds were sown. So that's one example of a longer game. That's right. But, but what was it? It was kindness and warmth and just, and loving her and taking interest in her life and asking her questions that, opened that opportunity to have a number of conversations over the course of time. Well, recently, this is another illustration. Uh, our pastors, we took a trip, and when we were back stateside, we were taking an Uber in Southern California to dinner. Um, and long in the short, we get in the car, and we're just trying to be kind to our driver, and we're asking questions about this or that. And um, we could tell he was either like you know Eastern European or whatever, and he starts talking about how he's been through this horrific divorce. He's saying very crass and horrible things about his ex and his children and all the things. And we're just like, bro, we're sorry, man, that's terrible. Um, and just trying to be compassionate toward him. Well, he brings up God. He says, we know, but God will never give us more than we can handle or he won't do things that aren't good for us. And one of our other guys is like, so you believe in God? And he starts to say things. And I said, hey, man, what do you believe about Jesus? You know. And so then he's telling us, and he turns out he's a Muslim and not a practicing mm. one. He acknowledges that the Quran teaches this, 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 and this, but I'm not really doing that. So I was like, okay, we got a short period of time in the car and uh, his name was Almir. You can pray for Almir. Uh, I said, mm-hmm. hey man, um, based on everything that you're saying, do you think it's going to go well for you when you stand before God at mm-hmm. the end of all this? And he's like, ah, you know, only God knows, only God knows. And I said, I said, but bro, are you afraid? Mm-hmm. Are you not, are you not afraid? based on everything you're saying. And, and he can't answer the question. So then we go in and we're like, hey, we're Christians. And here's what we believe about God. 
And here's what we believe about Jesus in particular. So we do not have to be afraid at all. And because here's Christ and what he did, he died for us and he is our righteousness and he's our representative now. So we can look forward with hope to the day that we stand before him. And we're and 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 then we're basically we're out of the car. And that all took place in 15 minutes. So I'm not saying that it always has to take five years. You're not saying right. that either. But nope. kindness, mercy, compassion can always be there. And then it might just be different in how we engage on the gospel. That's right. Well, you're like me, Justin. I like to visit, you know, I, I go out to lunch a lot with visit, you know, church members and whatever. So I visit the same coffee shops and the same restaurants. And, it, and, and church members always laugh. There's a local restaurant named Tito's. And everyone there knows my name. Yeah, man. everyone knows my order. I don't. The, the, my drink comes out. My food comes out. That's right. And they see you pull in the parking I, and, lot. And they start making it. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. But I, I want you know, as a pastor, I don't have opportunities to be around unbelievers, and so I want to. Yeah. And and living good tips and being smiling and asking yes. how their day goes and and asking, hey, how's your family been? I never know what God's going to do with that. You know, I'm thinking of. Or, I'm, in the process of writing a little book in my mind, I'm thinking like, if I could just write about the hope of the gospel mm -hmm. or hope for the hopeless and these people yeah. that I build a relationship with saying, Hey, I really care about you. If you, if you get a chance to read this, I think it might be encouraging, you know, just thinking about the long, I always think guys think about the long term gain. God may not give the opportunity to give the gospel right then. So don't blow up for the next guy, right? Don't be the Christian jerk. You, um, we were recently hanging out with a couple of church members, after church on a Sunday night and it's an outdoor scar lounge and I was petting this dog and the owner comes over and we start talking. He's a cowboy. And then his mm -hmm. friend, long story short, uh, I end up talking with this guy and we're talking about shoes. And then we start yeah. talking about basketball. And before I know it, I'm sharing the gospel with him because he finally asked me, what do you do for yeah. a living? Guy's been away from his faith for five years. And it was just one of those things where I was just being nice to a dog, then a nice to the guy and just being friendly. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you're like, you know, oh, you're in a cigar lounge, whatever. Just, I'm not even yeah, going to go there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Justin, there, there is an essence where I think there is an urgency where we continually preach the gospel, encourage people, but. I, I think it's profound in scripture how supernatural a love the love of an a believer is to the unbeliever. Yeah. yeah. Like we just don't think about like literally you guys do, do I mean, this is the part of the Bible that I'm looking for for Theocast to helping people understand. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about the power of the spirit. We need to. Yeah. Do you realize that Paul says God's spirit lives in you. You are his temple. That means when you love someone, they are experiencing the love of God through you and that God can use that to draw them to yourself, to mm -hmm. himself, mm -hmm. through your actions so you can open up your mouth and give them the living word. But it might start with love, compassion. And this is kind of what I think that he gets us and what we're trying to get at. And I think what Alistair's getting at is that to show compassion yes. is part of the evangelism, is part of the good news of the gospel, because we need to create space where we can have these conversations to share the good news of Jesus. If we don't create those spaces and all we do is just shut the world off, right. then you're never going to share the gospel with no, anybody. No, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, you've already referenced First Peter 2, you know, do good works, uh, and so that uh, yeah. effectively it might glorify our, our father who's in heaven. Yeah. Uh, that's the same thing. Matthew five sixteen says basically the same thing, but then, you know, you have Jesus in the gospels, bless those who persecute you, you know, love your enemies. You have Paul in Romans 12, like when you, when we're reviled and, and like the people who do us harm, we're to bless them and not curse them. Right. It's very clear that we're to greet sin with kindness. 
You know, that's mm-hmm. that's from the Apostle Paul. There's many other passages that we could reference in terms of how we're to treat. Can I course. throw one in? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to throw in, we don't always understand First John when he says we love because he first loved sure. us. Sure. That's the love of God. We love like right. God, unconditional, sacrificial, and unending. The world doesn't know that kind of love. Of we love the world that but, way because he first loved us that way. Brother, I've said so many times, it's like the world is searching for and we all agree the world's lost. And at the same time, people are made in God's image. And it is obvious that people are craving and searching for love, mercy, compassion, forgiveness, absolution, freedom. They're searching for all yeah. of it. And we are the ones who have it, right? We're the only ones who can offer it because God has given it to us. He's poured it into our hearts and he's given us freedom and he's, and he's redeemed us in Christ. And so we hold this out mm. to people. Amen. Mm. So Amen. I'm referencing a number of verses to, to illustrate the point. Of course, we're to, we live our Christian lives in the community of the church and we are called in a unique way to love each other. And even John 13, like you referenced earlier, that's a witness to the world, how we love that's each right. other. Now we do love those who are outside. I think we've made that case. And mm. in loving people who are outside, like you said, man, we are an instrument in the Lord's hands to save his people. And I agree, you know, man, there's so much, there's so much we could say here, but like, I think that's what Alistair Begg is trying to make room for. And he says, you know, I'm going to go down on the side of mercy and compassion. Amen to that. I agree with him. Uh, I think, can I jump in there? I don't, I don't think Alistair means let them live in their sin. Of course he does. Or or he doesn't want to leave them in their sin. No No one wants to leave anybody in their sin, but you have to, you got to create a space for having these conversations sometimes. Exactly. The man has been very Don't clear. have to do it in sin, though. No. Yeah. On his stance on marriage, gender, sexuality, the whole thing. He's orthodox in what he believes. That's uh, right. And, and we need to remember that. Now, I, brief insertion. Uh, I think one of the other categorical confusions and the collapsing of categories that happens for people, we conflate some, like we conflate the Bible's clear teaching on a moral issue we think that that necessarily means that there's only one way to view it when it comes to making a wisdom call. Like we've got no category for a distinction between a clear issue of morality as revealed in scripture. And then there being freedom and Liberty in Christ to make the best wisdom decision that we can. Uh, I, Mm -hmm. I was talking to you earlier and, and kind of, I, I think this is a reasonable illustration and, and I know you agree. So voting patterns like voting booth, that is a wisdom call by definition. So like we said, yeah. like to just be plain, you and I, because I know you, your church and my church would be similar in, in this. Neither mm-hmm. of our churches would ever discipline a person for voting for a Democratic candidate, right? Mm-hmm. No way. However, if one of our members is advocating for abortion, mm-hmm. that's very different. The reason I'm saying that is because the, the Democratic Party in our day is clearly pro-abortion, but we would not conflate a vote for a democratic candidate as being pro abortion, right? There are different, those are different things. And this, it's similar here. Now, and you and I, John, you know, we're, we hold to the same orthodox understandings of marriage, gender, sexuality. You yeah. and I may differ slightly on the pastoral counsel we would give in any various scenario, but you mm-hmm. and I agree on this that it's plain that marriage is between a man and a woman and it's, and it's for a lifetime, particularly when we're talking about That's Christian right. marriage. Having said that, you know, there are any number of scenarios that our people might face where marriage as a civil institution amongst people who don't claim to be believers, should I go? Can I go? What do I do, you know, with this friend, with this child, with this cousin of mine? What do I do here? 
And that's where you and I would yeah. say, okay, well, let's let's talk through this. The moral issue of the marriage piece is plain, but mm-hmm. what does compassion, what does love look like? How can we best commend Christ and the gospel here? That is a wisdom call that we need to be free to give counsel on. And you and I that's might right. give different counsel, but we're both going to contend for the clarity of the gospel. We're going to contend for the necessity of compassion, and we're going to contend for a space for Christian freedom and, and letting people make decisions without facing the discipline of the church and the chastisement of other Christians. You know, it, that's right. And people be might be asking like, what, what do you mean by different and, and different meaning that listen, circumstances can change. I have three Agreed. families in my church right now that are dealing with this. And I tell of them course. all the time, the decision you make today may not be the decision you make tomorrow because the circumstances might change. Their right. attitude, the way they right. act, all of that might right. change. And so this right. isn't, this is often fl- now listen, sin is sin. Like, that's Agreed. not changing. Sin is sin. Right? Agreement. But someone might someone might go from, you know, this is what I'm doing to hostile. And that's where things is kind of like, all right, we well, may have to rethink well, about, you know, are you going to involve your children in that and exactly. things like that? And the thing I would just say is this, so, that to, to show compassion does not mean that we're condoning behavior. To ever, show mercy ever. does not mean that we're condoning right. sin. So... That, and that's where we've got to be thoughtful about this. A particular, now, again, it's very different if you've got professing believers who are members of the church. Professing mm-hmm. believers who are members of the church want to do something that's overtly sinful. Well, there's mechanisms for that. We're calling those that's people, right. brother, don't do it. Sister, don't go there. And if they do and they're stubborn in it, it's like, okay, we're going to commence the, the process of church discipline that will end in probably admonition or maybe suspension from the table or maybe excommunication. I mean, that's what happens. But if it's people outside the church— And then treat them like church, an unbeliever, meaning course. that we need to try to bring them back in again. Right. That's right. Right. But if it's people outside the church who are who have never claimed Christ and, and all that, and then we're trying to determine, okay, well, what does my presence at some event mean for two people who have never claimed faith in Christ— I think that's where we've got to start reasoning from. Clearly what they're doing is wrong, yet they have never yeah. claimed Christ. So what do what's the best decision for me to make? That's where I think we need to have that freedom where pastors and Christians can ha- can talk to each other. We pray and we trust the Lord, right? Uh, yeah, I'll end with this. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not I, didn't, one last I, I know we didn't I plan to go down. there, but anyway, we did. Yeah, no, it's fine. Justin, Paul uh, makes this statement twice. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Come on with it. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Yep. When you're when you're looking at an individual, uh, can we just even go, I, I'm going to quote it so you could just hear me. You need to hear these words because I think it's important that we hear it. Listen to Ephesians chapter two. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And once you once walked following the course of this world, following the mm-hmm. prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is yep. now yep. at work in the sons of disobedience. Dear believer, when you're talking to an unbeliever, you need to remember Paul is saying, it's not the flesh and blood. You're fat. You're not fighting mm-hmm. that person. Okay. What you're fighting is the power behind that person is manipulating them. First of all, their own fallen flesh. And secondly, there is a real power. This is why Paul says, listen, you're fighting against this chapter two, go to chapter six and read it. So it's important that we are going to lay our life down for that person to fight a spiritual war that can only, as Paul says in second Corinthians chapter six, the truth of the knowledge of Christ and that truth, dear believer, must be spoken in love Mm -hmm. with compassion, mercy, and humility. We lay our life down speaking the truth, not in anger. Okay. Not in anger. We are trying to uh, transform that person's heart by means of words. And at times you're going to have to, I mean, I think it's interesting how many people come to Christ while Paul and Peter in prison. Just that thing. That's fascinating. Right. It's the people in prison who are like, okay, 
I think I'm going to hear what these guys have to say. I just want to encourage all of us that, yes, uh, it is horrific what people are doing to each other for sure. on this world. And they're guilty for it, mm-hmm. but they're also being manipulated by a power. And that power cannot be stopped unless it is stopped by the gospel. That's and right. the gospel must be proclaimed with affection and love. We do not preach it out of anger. We preach it out of compassion. That's Amen. the point of the podcast. And uh, yeah, I'll just double down and we'll land this plane. So yeah, the the two two most powerful forces at work on nonbelievers, you've outlined them. It's it's the principalities and powers of darkness. I mean, it, it is Satan and spiritual forces beyond our comprehension. One. Two, mm-hmm. it is the power of sin, like the corruption of the flesh, right? The curse. And those two things, I it's why we use the language of bondage. And that's why the scripture uses that language. I mean, we're talking to people yeah, who are strongholds. enslaved, strongholds, right? Yep. And another podcast for another day, like why would you expect people who are in that kind of bondage to live like Christians is beyond me. <laughs> but again, another, another pod for another day. That yep. said, what, like you, like you've illustrated, John, uh, is there a time and a place to come in and, and make people look foolish because of arguments that are being made? Yes. Is there a place for us to use the law of God and the na- and natural law and the light of nature to demonstrate the folly of what's going on in the world? Sure. Absolutely, there are places for that. But in terms of our interpersonal relationships with people that we come into contact with, what you said is entirely right. We love them. We're compassionate. We live a life of warmth and concern and care in front of them so that we might then have opportunity to give a reason for the hope that's in us. And we might be able to, with gentleness, demonstrate to them, friend, what you're doing, you know, deep down is whack. Like you deep down, your your soul, like you're in angst. You're, you're riddled with guilt. You're riddled with shame. Deep down, you're afraid of this. You're afraid of that. And can I tell you about the Savior and the only answer to all of those things that plague your soul, right? That's what we do. Mm. And then it's through the spoken word of Christ for sinners that that supernatural power of God is unleashed and people are set free from bondage. And that's that's what we're here advocating for. And so don't, the, the he gets us ad campaign and Alistair Begg's comments and where you may stand on any of those things is immaterial in, in one sense. It's secondary. Yeah, that's right. But living a life yeah. like this, we're clear on the law and the gospel. We love our neighbor and we herald Christ. That's what we're at. That's what we're for here at Theocast. And may it be. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you never know what God will do with your, I'll just end with this. You never know what God may do with your persecution as you preach the gospel in love. So true. Stephen dies. Paul witnesses it. And then later Paul becomes a believer. Amen, right? You just dude. don't ever know. So Amen. persecution is a, is a thing that God uses. And that's why we continue to use affection and not guns. I'll stop there. Not, Great way. Guns affection and not guns. Okay. Moving. There we go. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for listening. Join the conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Join the community, uh, the theocast.org. We'll see you guys, Lord willing, in the presence of our King. Cannot wait. But if he has us, Terry, to do the work of the kingdom, we'll be here next week, Lord willing, to encourage you to rest in Christ. Hey, everyone, before you go, Justin and I first wanted to say thank you. And if this has been encouraging to you in any way, please feel free to share it. But we also need your support. And it's when you give that it really helps us financially reach more people. So the next time you consider giving to a ministry, we hope that you would pray about Theocast and partner with us as we share the gospel around the world.